We're good. You, you, I won't even need a mic this close. <clears throat> the mic's only for the digital. What did you say? Oh, okay. Okay. So we're in Romans 12 tonight, just for everybody to be thinking and um, turning there. Is there any um, prayer requests before we start tonight? Your mom. My mom. Thanks for your mom. Thanks for my mom, yeah. Thank you for being my mom. Is that what you mean? She, that's what I'm saying. I feel that way all the time. Reoccurring. Reoccurring. Yeah. What's her name? Nancy. Nancy. Courtney? Keep praying. Okay. Everything they did right now is making it work. Say that again. Everything they did what? Everything they did yesterday, right now, I mean, our pain is worse. It's worse today. From the stuff they did yesterday. Good news, though, my, my mom is out of isolation from COVID. That is. And uh, I was able to take her outside. Fresh air, sunshine yesterday, first time. Tell me her name. Patty Wall. Patty. Anybody else? William. William? Anybody heard anything about Dennis? Tell whether you have any sight improvement yet. Okay. And you're talking about Dennis on that one, right? Right. Okay. That's William. He can't see. He can see. He can see something that's two of everything. Double vision. Yeah. He told me he was sick too. He was getting sick. He told me he was going in and out of fever and stuff. Yeah. Is he doing better on the sickness part? Okay, we're going to keep praying for that too then. Anybody else? For your son. Tell me his name one more time. Bobby. Bobby. 
Thank you. And that was for stroke. We need to pray for up. I've known this maybe a little bit. Um, maybe I should have brought this up a little earlier, but we need to be praying for Clayton too. Clayton Ablin, he's been having seizures. Again? He hasn't had one in a little while, but not that long ago he had one. So with him, he has to go so long before he can drive again. He has to go before he can get his life back. So, you know, it's messed with his work, ability to get a job. Right now he's looking at a job that he can just ride his bike to. That's right down the road from his house. Um, anybody else? All right. This is a... Uh, This whole week, really, we're going to have emphasis on prayer. So, um, obviously, we want to, in the scriptures tonight, it, it's going to mention how important it is to always be in prayer. So, you know, we pray because, not because, not because God doesn't already know. We pray because we believe God hears our prayers and responds to our faith. Um, so, with that being said, let's go ahead and pray unless there's anybody else. All right, let's pray. Father God, we come before you, Lord. We're, we're grateful for this time where we can come together and study and, and just sharpen one another. Lord, we're grateful for uh, the letters that Paul wrote, specifically the one we've been studying in Romans, the letter to the Romans. God, chapter 12 is a powerful chapter, and, and really he's been making a lot of um, blanket statements through through the majority of, of Romans, tonight it gets really personal, really internal. Um, so, Father, I just pray that we are listening to your word, honest with ourselves. Let the scripture call us out in our own hearts where we need to be called out. And also um, think about how we can just improve in the things that we do well. God, we're so grateful for... Everything that you are, the, the God that's willing to listen to us right now, even though there's stuff going on all over the world and there's prayers being lifted up all over the world right now. God, we know you're listening to us. And we're grateful for that. You're so much bigger, so much faster, so much more powerful, so much more knowledgeable than anything we can even fathom or imagine. But God, you, you still care about us on an intimate, personal, individual level. So God, we want to start out by praying for my mom. Lord, we're just grateful that the surgery went well. She was already texting me and my siblings, um, giving us updates, of course. And she's very happy with the way things are going and God, I just pray also that you give her the patience to rest, to be still, to let her body recover. Lord, she's been an amazing example of a servant for me my entire life. 
but sometimes you got to rest. So if there's anything we can do, I pray that I know she doesn't like asking for help. Well, I pray she does. One of the things about North Brevard that makes us extremely special to me is the way we rally around our, our own people. The way we rally around those who we know are hurting in our community. It's a, it's a blessing. It's not something every church has, but it's something we do really well. So we just want to thank you for being with the doctors and, and allowing that process to go really well today. Father, we also want to pray for Marty and his eardrum. Lord, I've never um, personally had too many issues with eardrums, but everybody knows what it's like to have a sore ear or a sore in your ear or a ringing or it just doesn't give you peace. It's just there. It's just it's just enough to drive you crazy, just enough to make you upset, just enough to make you short on your patience. Lord, I just pray for Marty that you give him strength and healing, comfort as he goes through his difficulty with his ear. Father, we also want to pray for Jamie. Lord, it's... Um, that she's been dealing with concussions, um, dizziness, different things. Ever since her accident, well, really two accidents on the soccer field, that one just happened. Had a bad time. And God, we love Jamie so much. We just want her to be healthy and have a long life. God, she loves you so much. It's evident. All you have to do is talk to her. You can see you in her. Father, so we're just asking for you to heal those complications she's been having with her head and just allow her to have a healthy, full life. Father, we also are asking on behalf of Nancy in her knee replacement, the, the surgery's done, but the rehab's just begun. And, and Father, sometimes rehab can be harder than the surgery itself. So we pray for comfort and we pray for healing and no complications and just help her to be consistent in her rehab and work hard. It's a really important part of the whole process of a knee surgery is the recovery and the rehabilitation. Father, we're still praying for Courtney. She's still going through pain with her jaw and she's just had a procedure and it seems like the pain's worse right now than it was before. And we, we pray that that procedure starts to, to do its work and, and relieve her of her pain that she's been dealing with for a long, long time. Father, we also pray for Mike's mom, Patty. She's had COVID. We're celebrating the fact that she's out of isolation and Mike got to see her and spend some time with her. And every day is a blessing, Lord. And we just are grateful for your healing and, and keeping her safe through COVID. Father, we also pray for William. I know when he called me earlier this week, he was sick and seems like um, Bertha is also indicating he's still not feeling great. 
and he's got double vision. So we just pray that his eyesight can be restored. He's been struggling with his eyes for a long time as well. And he's been fighting through it. Being a man of faith. Praising you in, even, in, in this, even in his physical struggles. Still trying to work as much as he can for this church too. God, I just, he's such a good elder and, and Lord, we need him. Father, we also pray for Dennis. He's had eye surgery as well and we know he's still in pain. That's about all we know right now. I'm assuming everything went well. God, I know your hands are all over that. So just continue to be with Dennis, be with Nancy as she takes care of him as well. Be with Bertha as she takes care of William as well too. Father, we also wanna to continue to pray for um, Bobby um, with the stroke that he's had. We're just continuing to pray for improvement. If things get better that he can return back to normal as well, have a nice, normal, full life. And last but not least tonight, Father, we also wanna bring before you Clayton. He's been battling with seizures and Still haven't got 100% answer on what's going on and why it's happening. And it does seem like the medicine is starting to take effect and we praise you for that. And Lord, I know you know his heart as well. He's the man who seeks you. He's the man who, who lives in your word. If you talk to him, you, you will hear scripture. So Father, we're just asking for healing with him so that he can get back to a normal life as well so he can get a job if that's what he needs to do and just have freedom, just have freedom to, to do what he needs to do, not be confined by how far he can ride on a bike. God, we thank you for looking out for all of us. We all take our turns being on the prayer list. We all take our turns going through our tough times. Lord, we, we thank you for never abandoning us and always having our back. Even to the point where you sent your son to die for us on the cross. And we thank you for, for Jesus. It's through his name we pray. Amen. Well... I, I prefer nobody to die in that conflict anymore, to be honest. Um, yeah. What? Have, did anybody else hear what he said? Move back a row. I thought you said something about a back rub. I was like, I don't know about all that. Back rub. Hmm? Yeah. definitely make you soup, I promise you. 
All right, so we're in Romans chapter 12. Remember, we've been building up. We've been talking a lot about inclusiveness. That's a lot about um, what the last several chapters have been about and really a big chunk of the first part of Romans. Um, he's dealing with the Jews who want everybody to come into the club, but only if they fit the requirements. Actually, they don't really even want everybody to come into the club. But even if, if you're going to, if we're going to let people in the club, then they better at least fulfill the requirements. They better look like us, talk like us act like us. Um, so it's been more of a broad brush. It's been a legal conversation as well. It's been talking about the law. It's been talking about how we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we're all kind of in the same boat. Tonight in Romans 12, obviously we know verses 1 and 2. It's, it's to me, one of the most important scriptures in the Bible for me. Um, something I read quite often, something I remind myself of quite often. Um, but no, Romans 12 is going to get a lot more personal. It's going to get a lot more internal. This has kind of been talking about external conflict. Now we're going to get more into internal conflict. Not only that, but <clears throat> Paul is going to be full of application tonight. So a lot of Romans, we've been talking about theory. I'm not saying all of it, but a lot of Romans, we've been talking about theory, if you will, or, or the changes from the old covenant to the new covenant and, and how that um, fits the whole church. Tonight, he really shifts more to, what about you? What about you personally? So as we read these words tonight, I pray that they sink deeply into our hearts. I already prayed for that a little bit, but I really do. Because Romans 12 is really talking about that transformation that happens in all of us. And it gives some very basic ideas that you can do in your life to ensure that that transformation is happening. Not only that, but that you can discern and be in the will of God. That's where we'll start right now. Romans 12, verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers. I want you to see that before we even move on, that he is appealing um, Think of it even in a way as he's begging, he's beseeching, he's really, really, really trying to get your attention. Pay attention to what I'm about to say. I'm appealing to you about what I'm about to say because it's so important, right? Brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, I thought you guys have heard me speak about this a whole lot. So tonight might be your chance to explain it to me. What do you think Romans 12 verses 1 and 2 are saying? Kind of a lot, right? No idea? All right. He's really talking about you need, you need to understand where your focus is. You, know, you, you preach on focus last mm -hmm. night, but he's saying this is what you need to focus on. Don't be distracted by the world. You need to focus on spiritual things, which is part of your spiritual worship. You need to grow in that direction and grow closer to God. Mm -hmm. You don't need to worry about what's going on in the 
Yeah. Go ahead, Mike. At least in verse 1, he, he might be answering the question, well, what about what about the sacrifices under the, under the law? What do, we, what do we do now? He's saying, it's you. Yeah, you're the sacrifice. You're the sacrifice. Yeah. We're all Isaac in a way. Right? We're all Isaac in a way. We are willingly laying down our life. We are willingly putting ourselves on the altar. We are real, willingly sacrificing ourselves to God. That's part of what we're doing. And the reality is you can either conform to the world. You can surrender to the will of the world. You can surrender to the way of the world. You can get in line with everybody else and go and search out everything everybody else is searching out. Or you can allow yourself to be transformed. But there's a key. He start, don't forget where he starts. He says, in your mindset, in your everyday approach, where do you start? With the mercies of God. We're all in a place where we can, where we can achieve transformation. We're all in a place where God can use us to do his will because of the mercies of God. There's not one person in here, not me, not anyone else that is not in the place that you are without the mercy of God. And it's important as we deal with each other, as we not only deal with each other, but as we deal with ourselves. When we're looking at, each other, when we're looking at ourselves in the mirror, when we're having those deep um, conversations with ourselves on the pillow, when we're, when we're taking communion and, and, and we're thinking about those things that separate us from Really living for Christ. We need to think about those mercies of God. They're new every morning. You know, we've been hammering a lot on repentance. I've been hammering, I know I've been hammering a lot on repentance. Because I think sometimes we get so used to the mercy, we forget to repent. Well, I'm going to tell you this, you might be the opposite. Maybe you're extra hard on yourself. Maybe you never feel like you're going to add up. Maybe all the time, all you hear in your head is all the terrible things you've done and all the things you still struggle with. And that's all you can hear. Don't forget God's mercy. It's new every morning. What you sinned for yesterday, God has already forgiven. What you're going to sin for in, with today... God has already forgiven. What you are going to sin for tomorrow, God has already forgiven. His mercies are new every morning. We were talking about um, on Sunday night having a culture where our hope is fixed in God's grace. And I said, you want to talk about a way that you can change the culture of a church to be powerful for the Lord? It's to have our hope fixed in grace in the same way. Have your life fixed, your, your situation every single day fixed in the mercies of God. How do I present myself, how do I present my body as a living sacrifice? This is our spiritual act of worship, right? So how do I present my body as a living sacrifice?
and that's probably what that testing is. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God. As you live it, you learn more what is God's will. Yeah. It's not giving in. The test that we all go through is not giving in to the world. The world can come at you in all kinds of ways. The test is not giving in. And, and when we give in, we learn. But also when we overcome, we learn. And I really think, you know, they say in your, in your biggest failures can be your greatest lessons. I'm not saying that's not true. But I want to tell you in your greatest victories can also be your greatest lessons. There's a lot to learn from doing something the right way as well. When that moment where scripture really clicks, not just, not just all oh, this makes sense, but it becomes, it, it's in your heart. It's who you have become now, not just because it makes sense, but because it's the right thing to do. There's a benefit to it. There's a godly benefit to it. Like considering God's mercy. When we approach ourselves and when we approach others, there's a godly benefit to that. There's also a surrender. There's a surrender, right? If I'm going to be a living sacrifice, I have to surrender myself to the Lord. Go ahead, Paul. In order for Abraham to be able to offer the sacrifice, Isaac had to surrender. Yeah. Yeah. His dad couldn't have put him up there and did, done what he did unless he surrendered to that. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that gets overlooked a lot when we're looking at Abraham is the willingness of Isaac. The willingness to trust his dad, to trust God as well. Um, yeah, there has to be a surrender. You can't, you can conform without um, feeling like you're surrendering, but you're still surrendering. So again, I ask one more time before we move on, how do we become... How do we really become living sacrifices? Go ahead, Chuck. We live for him. We give, we give up ourselves and what we want, and we do what he wants. Yeah. We, we give, give up ourselves. ourselves. Stop living in our selfish ways. Stop living with our fleshly desires. And we give that part of our life to him. There's also a renewal. Go ahead, Doug. It's physical bodies. It's not just, and it's, it says present them like a sacrifice. Just like you would in the temple. You're going to carry it to the temple. It's going to be on purpose. It's not going to be on accident. And it's physical. Blood, sweat, tears, sacrifice. Yeah, 100%. Surrender, just like you say with the physical idea, right? Surrender is not a choice we make one time. Surrender is a choice we make every day. The second verse gets into the mind. First verse is about the body. That's right. So I mean, together, but there's there's separate. There are two parts of that. Yeah, I think the so when I'm looking at this and I'm thinking about it from the fleshly from the fleshly idea from the physical from the body, I'm that I'm thinking flesh. I'm thinking flesh just the way Paul's talked about it in Romans. I'm thinking of that idea of flesh versus spirit. I'm thinking that idea that that I can go and I can feed myself, or I can go and feed the kingdom of God. I can feed. Um, my relationship with God. I can feed others in a way that brings glory to God, right? Or I can just feed myself. 
And that's where the renewal of mind comes because I think there's a natural ability or a natural thing we're all born with to preserve, to look out for myself first, to take care of me and mine first before I start to even consider others. And I have to admit, at times, life gets busy. You can barely keep up with just what you got. Which means at times when you have to step up, it's going to be a sacrifice. It's literally going to be a sacrifice. You're going to have to sacrifice something to step up to do God's will at times. It's going to be a sacrifice. Not everything is just going to come easy. Not everything is just going to be um, perfect timing or um, you're not going through anything yourself. There's going to be a sacrifice. And then we can test and discern. And I, to me, this is, this is so important because I think we all want to know we're doing God's will with our life. Like, what did God really want me to accomplish in this life? What did God really want me to do? Am I really doing what God has purposed before me, those good works that he's prepared in front of us? If you're getting to a place where you're thinking about God's mercy, if you're getting to a place where you're surrendering to God and you're trying to make every decision based on God and not just based on what you want or what you're looking for, you're going to be in the will of God. If you're renewing your mind to think more like what the scriptures teach and less like what the world's been teaching you your whole life, you're going to be in the will of God. That's one of the reasons why I'm so confident that if we all do our job as the church, which he's going to talk about here in a little bit, if we as the body actually come together and we accept each other for our differences and even really recognize that we were made different because we have different purpose here at this church to fulfill God's will for us, not just individually, but as a group, I really believe Satan, the world, nothing will be able to stop us. Because God's will is not for the church to be powerless. God's will is not for the church to not make a difference. God's will is for the church to grow and thrive and be the example, just like Israel was supposed to be to the Gentiles long ago. And obviously God's will is good, acceptable, and perfect. Anybody want to say anything else before I move on on that? I promise I wasn't going to spend too much time right here. I preach on it a lot. Transformation is important. There has to be a change, and the change only comes when we surrender. Verse 3, for by the grace given to me, that sounds like something we were talking about at the beginning of Romans. We'll get back to that, though. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. So what do you think about when you see the grace given to me or the measure of faith that God has assigned? What's that mean? I just want to show you it's not just in a couple 
little places, he's going to say it a couple different times here. What does it mean? Grace given to me. What was, what was Paul's grace? Let's, talk, let's, talk, let's start there. What, what did he obviously need grace on? I mean, wasn't he um, a guy who's authored the majority of the New Testament? Wasn't he a guy who went all over for Jesus, doing all kinds of missionary work, planting churches, keeping up with those churches, overseeing those churches? Yeah, he persecuted the church. Why do you think that would be worse to him? Yeah. Because he, in all of his wisdom, and all of his knowledge, and all of his understanding, he got to study the word a way most people don't get to. He got to study under some of the best teachers of his time some of the most well-respected rabbis of his time. He came from a place where he was top of his class. He was excelling. They had given him this huge responsibility, one of the biggest responsibilities of anybody in the Jewish culture at the time. And he was the defending the temple, but fighting God. He needed grace. He missed the boat. If he doesn't have that moment, think about this. Have you ever thought about this? If he doesn't have that moment on the road to Damascus, does Paul write most of the New Testament? Does Paul become potentially the greatest missionary to ever live? One of the greatest church planner of all time? Go ahead, Chuck. He respond to that moment. Sure. He had to respond as well. That's right. He did. But everything happened in a way that didn't happen for you with Paul. Wouldn't you agree with that? Were you on your way randomly somewhere? Or maybe you had a purpose, because he had a purpose, right? You had a purpose, you're going somewhere, and all of a sudden God met you on the street? No, but he did Paul. Not quite the way he did Paul, at least, right? Some of you are looking like, maybe. Not quite the way he did Paul. You weren't blind, waiting with scales over your eyes. You weren't um, hearing a heavenly voice. You weren't having that moment, the bright light in, 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 coming out of the, the sky and affecting your reality. Like, this is a moment I think many of us wish we could have. That moment where it's like, oh, this is God. Now I know. But that wasn't for you. That was for him. That's why it's the grace given to him. What about you? And how does that grace affect who you are and the way you minister to people at our church? See, God's been setting you up your whole life. You, me, everyone. He's been giving you talents your whole life. You, me, everyone. And that purpose is to spread the kingdom. That purpose is to strengthen the church. That purpose is to unify and make sure the work of the body gets done. That's, that's what he's been doing. He's been preparing you for this your whole life. And you see it in that he recognizes 
the grace given to him, he was educated by the highest of teachers, but he humbles himself to feed the dogs. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, of all people, who had it worse than Paul? Who had it worse than Paul? Besides Jesus, I guess. I don't want to say anybody had it worse than Jesus. But who had it worse than, who had it worse than Paul? Everywhere he went, there was enemies in the camp. It didn't matter what he was doing. Everywhere he went, they were looking to arrest him. They were looking to kill him. Everywhere he went, he, de- he dealt with hardships. He dealt with all kinds of trials. He dealt with all kinds of stuff. In his process to spread the kingdom of God, who had it worse than Paul? Mo- Moses at least is in the same category for sure. Joshua maybe too, really, if you really think about it. Some of the, I mean, yeah, but we're talking about big guys, right? We're talking about big names. Yeah, Jezebel killed all the prophets. Elijah said, I'm the only one left. Elijah? I'd say Elijah had it hard. I'd say he did. Elijah probably is one of the greater examples because Everywhere Elijah went, nobody wanted to hear him. Everywhere he went, the things he said because of the God he stood for and the things he stood up against, nobody wanted to hear him. Everybody didn't like him. It'd probably be very similar. Go ahead, Chuck. Jeremiah, Jeremiah the weeping prophet, the, the, the one who's sad because of how, how bad his life is. Yeah. Job. Job. I go with John the Baptist, man, had to eat bugs, then he lost his head at a party. Yeah. <laughs> Starting to sound like a lot of people had it tough, huh? Some of the ones that made the biggest difference for sure. Were you going to say something, Cindy? Daniel. Daniel. You can go through the list. So, he says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. Each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Why why is humility so important? Think Think about all this practicality he's given you right now. Why is... Humility is so important. Because you are the sacrifice. You are the sacrifice. You are nothing without the sacrifice. And no matter how far along the road you get, you're no better than the one that just started. Sober judgment. What do you think he means by that? Don't drink and then think about yourself? After you've had a great day at work, don't go home and think, I'm the greatest. Think sensibly, even still. How many times have, in your anger have you thought something you were going to do, and then by the next day when your anger had subsided, you thought, man, I was pretty stupid for thinking that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Back and look at the whole picture and do it realistically. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll think about what we've already established with exactly what you're saying. One, we're all here because of verse one. We're all here because of where are we going to start at? The mercies of God. That's why we're all here. We're all doing our best to become living sacrifices. Are all of us perfect at that? Not any of us are perfect at that. Right? We're all surrounded by a world that's trying everything in its power, everything in Satan's power, everything that evil has to throw at you to conform to it. But we're told to transform. We're all in a transformation process. Have any of us arrived? No. We don't. We don't. We don't get to arrive until we're all, we all arrive at the same time. Right? We all arrive when Jesus comes back and the new reality starts. That's when we arrive. So it's important to be sober in your own judgment. The talents you've been given is it because of your DNA? Is it because of your amazing genetics? Is that what it is? I mean, that's what science would try to tell you a lot, right? I mean, that's what um, history of man has done forever. If we put this person and this person together, we're going to get something even better. And then we can put this person and this person together. And then we're going to get, and then we're going to make sure they get married. And then we're going to have something amazing. That's how you get Yao Ming. Nobody knows that reference. He was the giant Chinese center for the NBA. They literally took the tallest person on the women's basketball team and the tallest person on the men's basketball team in China, got them married. They had Yao Ming. He was good because he was huge. He was super uncoordinated, but he had a decent shot. I'll give him that. He was very uncoordinated, and he had, almost anybody who gets that big has problems. That's right. <coughs> Where our towns come from? Every good thing that is about your life, your beauty, your intelligence, your strength, your ability to manage people, your ability to any of the gifts we're about to go over, anything that you're good at, where did it come from? God. Now, I'm not going to say there's not a testing, there's not a training, there's not a process that we all go through and that we can't, we are um, just given a talent and all of a sudden that talent is what it is and it never can improve. You know, you can also bury it and lose it. But they all came from God. Sober judgment. It's real easy when you have a lot of talent to think, if everybody was just as talented as me. Right? It's easy when you're having a really good day at your work to think about everybody else who's not probably as good as you are at work. It's easy when you are in angry, when you're in an angry uh, uh, conversation to only see your side of things. It's easy to get lost. It, of course it means that. Our judgment is completely clouded by Yeah. Emotion is a great thing when in control. It's a great thing when in control. But when out of control, it can affect the whole course of your life. 
Is that judge? Sound judgment. Of course, to me, that the what I relate that to is if you're going to be on sound ground, that you firm ground, you, you know where it is. It's a good reference point. And here, I think he's talking about is your reference point needs to be God, yeah. and it needs to be grounded and sound in Him and what He has as values for your judgment. Yeah, hundred percent. Hundred percent. But also remember who gave it to you, because here we go, verse four. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. We were created different. We have different talents, different abilities, because that's what we're supposed to have for where we are and for the body. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. I don't want to miss this point. We are connected to each other whether we like it or not. Whether it's your best friend at church or the person you still haven't after 15, 20 years really got to know. We're connected. It's part of who we are. Then he gets into the gifts, which we've also spent some time recently, not, not, not last week, but recently talking about. So I want to go through it real quick, but I want you to consider what he's saying in the context of what we've already discussed. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. It's not a mistake on what you're talented at. God didn't make a mistake. He made you talented in certain things. You know, as we start to um, um, really try to put a structure and organization together, we're going to be asking people that we see have certain talents to fit certain positions. And we hope that you will accept those jobs and do those positions. We're not going to take the personal out of it, I can promise you that. I don't want anybody to think that. It's not just going to become a program, it's, it's still going to be personal. But one of the things we need is structure and organization and we need to be able to point people in the right direction to where they can benefit the kingdom of God the best. That's something we should do as leadership to help us thrive, to help us succeed based on the grace given to each one of us. Then he says, let us use them. Don't let them go to waste. Don't bury your talents. Don't bury your gifts. Let us use them. If prophecy and portion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does the act of mercy with cheerfulness. So of these right here, which one do you think gets the most attention? Might depend on the situation, right? What about the encouragers? When you're having a tough time, you're going through a trial or a tribulation or a sickness or whatever, and somebody encourages you, they might be one of the most important people in your life at that time. I can still remember names of specific women. I won't name them because I don't necessarily think everybody who sends a card at the right time wants you to just put that out there for everybody. But I can remember names of many women. Not just women here, not just women at Rockport Church of Christ, not just women from Rockledge Church of Christ, but women that I've come in contact with through different other 
scenarios that were some of the greatest encouragers, and I don't know how they keep up with everybody, and I don't know how they make sure everybody gets a card in their time of need. I don't know how they do what they do, but when they do it, it makes an enormous difference, and everybody's probably experienced that at least once in their life. Everybody. But who usually gets the most attention? Probably the leaders. Probably the teachers. Does that make anybody better? If you're a leader, it's because God gave you the gift to lead. If you're a teacher, it's because God gave you the gift to teach. Now, how well you develop that craft in leadership or teaching is going to be entirely up to you, but you were, you were already gifted. Whether it's because you can put things in context better than most, whether it's because you can um, absorb more in, in small amounts of times than most, whether you can communicate that better than most, whatever it is, God gave that to you. You might have developed it, but God gave it to you. Based on the grace given to each of us. What about acts of mercy? We ever think of that as a gift? I mean, I know it's there, but when you think of the gifts in your head, when you're just thinking of them, is that one you typically go to? Man, I think that's one of the hardest gifts to attain. I think people who, have, who can show mercy in times where especially everybody else is in their corner to just give it to that next person. I think that's one of the most special things we have in the church. Go ahead, Carl. When uh, Barnabas and Paul were arguing over Mark, it was actually <coughs> Barnabas that gave Mark another chance to that's continue right. in ministry. Paul was like, He's unfit, you know, but, you know, thank God for people like Barnabas, you know, otherwise many of us, including myself, would, you know, I'd be out of this. Amen. Amen. That's what I'm saying. Every single one of these gifts in the right time, when you got a problem that you can't fix yourself and somebody from church comes over and helps solve your problem with a little bit of service and they don't, they don't just do it because they have to, or because one of the elders called and now they're over there, and, but they're doing it with cheerfulness. It makes a lasting impact. These things make lasting impacts. But we also have to surrender so we'll be available to do them. That's why he says at the top, use them. Use them. The point of church is not to come here and read scripture every day and get a little bit smarter in our own and, and make sure we're all going to get to heaven and, and increase our own well-being. It's to share as well. It's to make a difference outside of these walls. It's to make a difference to the people that God has put around us in our lives. But we've got to use the gifts we've been given. Go ahead, Bertha. Uh, Want me to go back? I think all of this about the talents and us um, being brothers and sisters rather than... Uh, uh, I'm, I'm over you, and, and the next person is over you, and the next, we're just brothers and sisters. I think it's God's way of preparing us for Jesus coming and us all living together. Amen. Because in this world, it's kind of a doggy dog. Uh, if I get ahead of you, then I get more money than you. Mm -hmm. And of course, I'm not going to share it. Uh, and the next person, you, so your children come up thinking the same way. I got to get as much as I can get, but 
I'll give, I'll give a little bit. I did a man's tax return and he gave $10. And that man was all over me because he wanted to take a tax deduction for it. He <laughs> hadn't given anything else. $10. I really had to leave that man. <laughs> it's hard. I'll tell you right now, if you want to do my taxes for 10 bucks, I got a wife that'll do them great, but we'll gladly pay you 10 bucks to do our taxes. <laughs> That's a deal. Yeah. Yeah. Let's move on because we only got five minutes left. And I did wear my watch, Charlie. <clears throat> Verse 9. Let, what? Uh, you know, now that you mention it, I'm not sure it's running. Second hand is, second hand's really not moving. Just noticed that. Weird. Uh, uh, all right, I'm going. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. I'm going to read the rest of this all in one chunk, and we're going to talk about it real quick. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. I wonder, j just think about this from an approach standpoint, from an internal approach standpoint. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Be constant in prayer. We're going to emphasize that all week. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. That is a list of practical ways that you, as someone who's going through transformation, can look to be like Jesus and not like the world. All of that. All of that. You ever seen a sloth? It does nothing fast. It does nothing with urgency. It does, really, it, it looks like it's painful to do anything. Like it takes as much effort as I can possibly have. Think about that. What's zealous mean? What's zeal? What's fervor? Passion. Consistency with all my being. That's what fervor means to me. With everything in me, fervor, zeal. What's zeal? You can be zealous when you are doing a job you're not exactly happy about. You can still have zeal. You go and clean somebody's house out and they've got a lot of things going on because maybe they're older and they can't take care of everything. If you've ever went to help people, you know what I'm talking about. You can still, even though you're not exactly enjoying what you're going through, you can enjoy what you're doing for somebody else. That's zeal to me. Go ahead. You got one minute. Oh. <laughs> Are you just going to walk out on me? No. Okay. Zealous. Ze <laughs> that was pretty zealous there, uh, Lex. Um, and be constant in prayer. And, I, and I'm serious. How often do we pray? Like really, how often do we pray? Are we lucky to pray once a day? Do we pray multiple times a day? Do we have time set apart to where we pray? Do we pray when we're in the car? Do we pray before a meal? Do we pray when we're with our family? How often do we pray? What? When you're praying in the car, when you're praying in the shower, when you're praying, you know. Anytime you're talking to God is prayer. It doesn't matter when it is. You don't have to have your eyes closed. You don't have to have your knees bent. You don't have to have your hands together. You can just pray. Amen. <coughs> All right. All right. 
Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. That's what everything's been really about. Do not be haughty. Do not be prideful. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. If you're wise in your own sight, the Lord will humble you and he will prove that you are still foolish. That's my own opinion based on my own life. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Practical. Read Romans 12 one more time this week when you're by yourself. Go through it. Start being just like Doug brought up earlier. Start being intentional with your actions, intentional with the transformation that you're going through. Think about it, pray about it. Be honest with yourself. I'm done. Well, then get the duct tape. It's my zeal. Amen. All right. Thank you for coming.